Blog Talk Radio. Hello, let's go live. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. All right, that's great. That is great. That's good. Hey, good morning, everyone that's on today. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is a great week, uh, and we are getting ready to have what I believe will be a blessed conversation uh, as we kind of look look for insights from God, uh, particularly on you know just kind of how He's blessed us and what He's been doing. Uh, so if you're on, let me see there. If this is your first time with us. I would love for you to just go ahead and uh, type up one. <laughs> Still getting used to that, but thank you, Lady Kelly. Good morning to you. Good morning, Angels and Nikita. Good morning, Deacon Jones. Good morning. As a matter of fact, uh, Deacon Jones just shared on uh, Facebook. We appreciate the shares. Hey, Peanut, good morning. Good morning. Miss uh, Sister Ford, if you are on, I did send out your game plan box again. Sorry for that missed up. Hey, Sister Pam, good morning. Thanks, Peanut, for uh, sending me that address. Appreciate it. Uh, good morning to all. Hey, Sister Felicia, good morning. I'm Miss Batemore, good morning to you. Uh, to the foreman, hello, good morning. Got pink hearts on Periscope. Let me see if we get another color in there, too. Pink is good. But keep keep tapping that, double tap your screen. Deacon Bellamy, good morning. Uh, Pastor Banks, what's going on, man? It's been a minute. Good morning to you. Uh, Marilyn Vine, good morning. Uh, good morning, good morning. Uh, Wani, is that Wani? Wani, good morning. Hey, uh, Sister Cheryl, good morning. <laughs> hey, Sarah, good morning to you, too. I'm good. glad to have everybody on. Look, if this is your first time with us, I would love for you to let us know. Uh, just type one. Type one if this is your first time. And if you're on the conference call, I just want to say thank you for joining us uh, on the conference call for maybe the first time or a return visit. Uh, we are studying and really trying to figure out God's perspective and God's principles on surviving scars, right? Uh, that in life, we have hurt. We, we get hurt. And sometimes hurt drive us forward. Uh, the Bryant's in Greensboro. Greensboro in the house. Hey, good morning to you guys. Uh, thanks for being with us. Sister Yulinda, hey, good morning. Uh, Deacon Doe, good morning to you as well. And, and so when you get hurt in life, you don't want to be held up. Just because you get scarred doesn't mean you want to stop moving forward. Just because uh, you've had uh, some obstacle that you can't really shape, you know, loss of loved ones, divorce, or children uh, going astray, or children moving away. You know, sometimes they don't have to do anything wrong. Just their absence can cause, you know, some void. Whatever it is in life, if you have been scarred, today's conversation, as have been in the last four weeks, is that you are a scar survivor. We're all scar survivors. Particularly this week, you know, one of the things we've been talking about is really just kind of, because we get to the end of the series, we want to get to how to be motivated again. You know, last week we talked about joining society, reconnecting. This week has really just kind of been a motivational week to remind you of who you are primarily taking out Acts chapter 1, because in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, uh, Jesus reemerges, and he says, after his suffering, all these things happen. And today what he does in Acts chapter 1 is uh, he says, uh, the Holy Spirit is coming. He says, after this, you will have power, right? After this, you will have power, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Hey, Jennifer, uh, good morning. After this, you will have power, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And today I'm going to talk about being empowered. Um, there are a number of scriptures we're going to look at today. We usually only have one theme verse. I guess we need one theme verse. We can use Genesis 1 and 27. It says there uh, you are created in the image of God himself. 
He created them both male and female in his image. Look, here, here, here's really quick history. Uh, the gospel, Christianity, has, has been, unfortunately, in some places and in some time periods, used to be oppressive. We kind of talked about this in Bible study yesterday. Uh, you, you know, the gospel, as powerful as it is, and that's the key, it is powerful. God's word is powerful. His ideas are powerful. The Bible is powerful. I'm not sure if you guys remember not too long ago, or maybe about three years back, Denzel Washington uh, started in a movie. Um, man, I just went blank. Oh, I went blank. Somebody remember the movie, uh, The Book of Eli. It was, it was entitled The Book of Eli, and I don't want to spoil it for you. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's a little gory. I like that personally. But, uh, you know, the, the movie depicted this man who uh, set out to find a book because the book had so much power, and that book was a Bible. And, and I'm telling you this because while the Bible is powerful, unfortunately it has been used and can be used to be oppressive. You know, uh, the same Bible that we use uh, to lift up was used by the Ku Klux Klan to oppress. It was used by slave masters to oppress. As a matter of fact, there are a large group of people who have tossed out the Bible and Christianity because it was unfortunately used to be oppressive. And let me be clear, uh, anything that has that much power can be perverted. But it doesn't mean that misuse by one group or one person is the absolute for an entire group. Here's what I'm saying in short. The Bible that was used to be oppressive, if read properly and received with the right insight, can also be a very powerful tool to be uplifting. It can empower you. So, so, so just kind of, kind of take this in context. You know, a lot of times we've heard Bible preached, and it's not false, but it's been preached from a slant. Come on, you, you've seen the news, right? Uh, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, they can, they can give the same news with a totally different perspective because, hey, good morning, Belinda, because sometimes truth can be slanted. And a lot of times we have received the gospel, a powerful word, with a very oppressive slant. For instance, scriptures like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's true. But today I want to give you the other side of that. Scriptures uh, that, that confirm for us that there are none that are righteous, no, not one. That is true. But I want to give you the other side to that coin. You know, scriptures that remind us that, uh, you know, Romans 7 and 15, one of my favorite scriptures, Paul says, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do because I have discovered that there is sin living within me that I cannot overcome, right? Uh, that is true. But there's another side to that. And here's what I'm saying today. As you survive your scars. Don't get so caught up in the oppressive gospel that only talks about how bad we are. You know, scriptures like we were shaped in sin and born into iniquity, or born in sin and shaped into iniquity, shaped in sin and born. Uh, you know, those, are, those scriptures are true, but they are not the only scriptures that exist. And if you only receive scriptures that, that kick us off, that launch us into this world, that have us born into sin and born in are born behind the eight ball and born trying to make up for our faults and our fallacies and our failures and our mistakes, then there's a chance that you will live life always trying to get back in place, to make up for your mistakes, to uh, somehow work hard to deserve your place with Christ. Listen, any man who is in Christ is a new creature. Old things are passed away, but we are made new. And today what I want you to hear through empowerment is that you are God's child. 
beyond your scars, despite your scars. You are God's child. Let me give you a few scriptures to combat the oppressive gospel that we've often preached and taught and heard. Uh, Genesis 1.27 says this, they are created in the image of God. Now, look, lay that beside born in sin and shaped in iniquity. On the one side, we may be born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but who is going to tell God, the one who created you, that he messed you up when you were created? And he says that you are created in his image. Look, if you're created in his image, you can't start off all that bad. There must be something greater that is within you. Another scripture, Psalms of Solomon, verses 4 and 7. Psalms of Solomon, 4 and 7. It says that you are flawless in God's eyes. And I'm reading different translations. Now, if Solomon, who is the wisest man on earth, although I know he's talking about a particular young lady that he's trying to, you know, enchant, he says that you are flawless in God's eyes. So, yes, there are none that are righteous. But on the other hand, there is this flawlessness of you. Here's what I'm trying to say. Imagine two children, let's say five years old. One of them hears constantly, you are, you are so bad. I can't believe you did that. You know, since you were born, your, mama, your mother messed you up. You were born into a horrible family. You need to get yourself right. Do better. I don't care what you do. You're never going to be anything. You need this in order to be that. You can take the same child, no, another child, and all you tell them is, look, you, you are good. You are great. You are beautiful. You are uh, smart. You are encouraging. You know, you can do well in life. Your future is bright. You are flawless. Whatever you say constantly to a person, they tend to live that out. Right, and, and Dr. Kelly, a real talk is being able to have a conversation that empowers and Sometimes even the gospel we've heard and preached has been oppressive. So let me give you another scripture. After, after Solomon says that you are flawless, uh, Ephesians 2 and 10. Somebody type that, Ephesians 2 and 10. It says that you are God's workmanship, created in his image. You were perfectly designed by God. What, you know what workmanship is? I, I, I went to Peter's High School, shout out, like the blue and gold fans in the house, right? And at high school, we took this um, – we took this, uh, what was it called, a wood shop class. They, get, they gave us a block of wood. What we then did with that block of wood is we carved it. We carved it into something we thought was great. After we carved it, we then had to sand it, right? We sand, and then after we sanded it, uh, they gave us a little gloss, and we took the paintbrush, and we put this gloss on it. And we put the gloss on it. They put it in a display window so that everyone could see the, hey, Minister Freeman, good morning. We're praying for you and your father. We, we put it on display because we had taken this raw piece of wood and turned it into a piece of art. It was our workmanship. Because it was our workmanship, we put it on display. They didn't all look the same. Everybody didn't have the same shape. Uh, everybody didn't have the same smoothness. But because we had put our hands in it, we put it on display. And, and what Paul says in Ephesians is that you are God's workmanship. Like diamonds in a rough, Lady Keller, God handcrafted you like clay on a potter's wheel down in Williamsburg Pottery. God has made you. <laughs> Excuse me. And, and so, listen, because you are his workmanship, you got to see yourself as empowered. T. Johnson, 731, I'm glad your first day on Periscope was with us. Look, so, so what you want to do is start thinking about who you are in power. Luke. Luke 12 and 7 says this. It says, they were created with intention and on purpose down to every last hair on your head. Look, 
you don't even care about how many numbers of heads you have on your head. But God cares so much about good. Not only did he give you purpose and create you with intent, but he counts the number of hairs. Uh, if you're bald, he counts the hair follicles <laughs> on your head. Listen, all I'm saying is you are valuable. You are cared for. Do not allow the gospel to oppress you. Don't look at it from uh, from a place of uh, needing always to be redeemed and saved. Look at it as royalty, as if you are co-heirs with a prince, a king who is Christ. Another scripture, 1 John 3 and 1. 1 John 3 and 1 says this, God created them and knows them better than they know themselves. Talking about you, you are his children. I'm not sure if you're getting this, but, but let, me, let me kind of close it out this way. After you have been scarred, you don't have time to keep talking about what you can do. After you've been scarred, after people have oppressed you and people have abused you, you don't want to now become the person who abuses yourself, who still talks about what you can't do, who only focuses on your sin, who only focuses on not being righteous. Look, whatever you focus on, that's what you're going to dwell in. If you keep hearing all that sin and falling short of the glory of God, which is true, then it'll put you in a place where, you know what, when you sin, you know, I'm human. I'm just like everybody else. That's not the mentality we want. We want a mentality that, that reminds us, hey, that you were created flawless so that when you make a mistake, you try to bounce back from it. When people remind you of your past, you'll say, no, that's not who I am. I'm something greater. I am more than a conqueror. I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, lender and not the borrower, created in God's image, fearfully and wonderfully made, a child of God, royal priesthood, chosen generation, peculiar people, and be empowered today because there's something great about you. Father God, I thank you for today. I pray today that you would shift our perspective so that we're not just looking up for God who is the Savior. Although we're thankful for you saving us, we want to think of ourselves as royalty, living with you, the high and mighty God. You, you said that. You said that we are co-heirs with you, that if we share in the suffering, we're also sharing the glory. So now, God, in Jesus' name, Hear our prayer, but most importantly, God, shift our perspective. We want to know who we are in Christ Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And look, everybody that's on a conference call, uh, know that uh, today uh, we're closing out. Uh, we're, we're closing.